Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Okay, I'm going to intro Jordan. He's going to come up and lead us in this panel. Thanks, Jords. Thanks, Rosie. How you doing, church? Doing well tonight? Who knows? Church, are you doing well tonight? My goodness. It's like they've been inside because of the rain all day. I need to get out and get moving. I should do, I should do a brain walk. No, I'm not going to do that. A little brain break. Any teachers in the house? That's all right. Do some star jumps. Um, who knows what we're talking about tonight? Suffering. Yeah, Zach's all over. Talking about... What a great, encouraging message for us to be discussing tonight. Who's ever, uh, who's ever thought about inviting someone to church when we're talking about suffering? Great word to bring someone to. We all just get lit up inside. It's one of those things. Let's talk about suffering. We all, we all, we all don't want to talk about suffering. Um, but who thinks that we should have a word on hope? Who would, come, who, would, who, would listen to, who would rather hear a message of hope than a, than a message of suffering? I think most of us would put our hands up for that. But I want to read you something, church, something that's, uh, that's quite profound, profound um, as we get started tonight. And I'm going to introduce our panel in just a moment. But I want to read to you um, out of Romans 5, verse 3. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn there? Romans 5, 3. It says this, Therefore, everyone say, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have a peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Church, if we want hope, we've got to go through some stuff. We've got to go through some suffering. Suffering is part of the process. And so it's so important that we get an opportunity to talk about it, to unpack it, to go on that journey together. Because one thing I think the enemy loves to do is to isolate us in our suffering. And church, that is not how we are designed to operate. We are designed to operate out of community, out of a connection. And so we're going to do that tonight. Is that Okay. Um, so tonight we've got the incredible Donna Paulin, uh, who's going to come to the stage. I, you need no introduction, Donna. Donna is um, one of our incredible uh, women and elders of the house, and so I'm really looking forward to hearing Donna. And we've also got Tim Stevo. Um, now, some of you might not know Tim Stevo. Um, Tim Stevo's been around for quite a while now. I think ever since I can remember, I've been here for almost 20 years now, and I think you've been here for a bit longer than that. How long have you been here for, Tim? Uh, close to 30 years. 30 years, wow. Um, and both of them have just got incredible stories to tell. And so I'm really looking forward to, to getting, um, yeah, getting into it and getting something out of it. So if you've, got your, if you've got your notebooks, open them up. If you've got your phones, open them up. We're going to get some gold tonight. All right, I might just pray before we get started. Is that cool, church? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, for your love, for your grace, and for your hope. We thank you, God, that we have this opportunity tonight um, to hear from Tim and from Donna about suffering, God. I pray that you open our hearts, God. Give us a soft heart tonight, Father. Help us to lean in. Um, help us to hear from you during tonight in your precious name. Amen. Okay, going to get straight into it. Um, we want to start off with a little bit of your family origin. When we say family of origin, it's basically the family you grew up in. So how did your family prepare you or not prepare you for suffering? Because I think it's an important thing to kind of think about. We all start in different places when it comes to our journeys with suffering. A lot of it's with our family. So can you tell us, uh, maybe we'll start with Tim, your journey with that. I, I mean, I'm a tad concerned that tonight might be a um, between two ferns kind of thing. And you're Zach Galifianakis and I'm about to get pranked. <clears throat> Um, I just come to mind with that beard. Um, and my family, I was very blessed to have a wonderful family. 
Um, my my mum just was the glue that held our family together, made sure we had our hair done and clothes and shoes. And, you know, we grew up in housing commission, but we never really wanted for anything. Um, and dad was this big heroic footballer. Like, when you're in primary school and it's bring your dad to school day, he's the kind of dad that you wanted to come. It was... Yeah, he's just this big, muscly, empowering, fun, like brought fun everywhere. So they were just this really good family. Um, but the, the biggest thing that I think that they did unintentionally was, was force us to church. <laughs> um, we, we came to church whether we wanted to or not. Uh, every Sunday, twice, so the, the morning and the night, we'd sleep under the pews when we were little. Um, but we were just here, and we constantly heard the word of God. Um, uh, we knew all of Mark's jokes. Um, <laughs> you know, when you're a little kid, he's got this, I don't know if you know, you know, Mark hasn't preached for a little while too often, but uh, every now and then to get your attention, he'll just shout really loud into the microphone. And when you're a kid trying to catch some Zs under a pew up the back. <laughs> um, but just being surrounded by community, surrounded by other people who can impart into you, that was the biggest thing my parents gave that prepared me for suffering. It's cool, really cool. Donna? A little bit similar to Tim, although quite a few decades before probably. Um, yes, uh, we grew up with uh, not much um, as in material wealth, but we had an awesome family life. Um, so there was not much complaining that um, was accepted in our home. We weren't allowed to complain much. Um, and we sort of you know, just had to get, get on with things. Um, life just rolled along, but um, there were constants in our family that I think did prepare us, and they're very similar to what Tim just said, because no matter how we behaved or what had happened midweek or in any of our lives, we always went to church on Sunday. So that was a constant. And there was always dinner on the table on a um, midweek, and so that sort of created a great sense of, yeah, it didn't matter if, you know, I'd got in trouble for whopping it that morning. Uh, Mum still gave me dinner at night and we still had family disco. Like the family it sort of just, yeah, created a really stable environment. But if I can, I also say, so that was the strengths was um, the consistency uh, and the love and acceptance in our home uh, that that we didn't have to be perfect, so that was good. Um, but there was one, if I could say a weakness, that, um, so there was a, that was the strength. The weakness was probably that we grew up in an era where you didn't really talk about emotions <laughs> or feelings. And my parents, you know, had grown up, mum had lost her mum when she was 12, so she had never really had that nurturing herself and she had to be a parent at 12. I look after her brothers at 12. And then my dad, he'd had some pretty big things happen to him in his 20s. He lost the sight of one eye. And he also had a colostomy. Now, if you want to know what that is, that is when you have a bag attached here that collects your poo. Okay? So you can think for a young man in his 20s, he, and yet I did not hear, so I didn't hear one ounce of complaint from either of them. So that's why I said there was no complaining in our... Because to them, we, were, we had everything. Um, so we, but, um, yeah, we couldn't act like princesses or anything. But, yeah, the so emotional kind of, so side So you're kind of like one of the more... You suppressed things. Tim, I imagine you were 
more from an explosive side of of that? Were you a suppressor? Was your family a suppressor or did they kind of bring uh, everything out to light? Yeah, no, we suppressed everything and we didn't talk about emotions or feelings. Yeah. Um, there was, every now and then they'd hear a good sermon at church and they'd try and uh, bring it home. But because it wasn't put in every week, okay, we're going to have a family meeting now, guys. Like, what the heck? Like, we've never done this before. This is weird. Um, so, yeah, they'd bottle it all up, um, and then inevitably, every now and then, it would come out in usually physical violence. So, yeah, it's not good to bottle it up. <laughs> what was it, Tim? I'm going to go to you first. What was the toughest thing that you experienced growing up, or maybe even in, in your later life? What was something that stands out, and when you think about suffering in your own life, like that catalyst that you were either not prepared for, prepared for, something you learned from that. Can you talk us, talk us through that? Yeah, I mean, there was, there was lots of little things growing up and you think, oh, this is, this is the end. How, you know, how am I going to get through this? Um, and there was a really cool thing I heard from Steve Harvey online where he says, everybody here in this room has been through horrible things. Think of the, the worst thing you've ever been through but you're here today, you've all come through it, so you're all overcomers. Um, so it was, I, I built up a business after a lot of jobs where I was kind of trying to find my feet. Finally, um, I, I had like five restaurants that I was running <clears throat> and I thought, this is it, I've made it, this is wonderful. Like, I'm a businessman, I'm making lots of money, I'm doing what I want, working with food. And then a business partner that I brought on um, decided that he could run the business without me. Uh, and said, I don't want you in it anymore, I'll buy you out. So I lost my business and I'm at home without any work. Um, but goal number one uh, was to do no harm. That, is that that medical pledge? Um, so I didn't have to be an angel, I didn't have to be perfect, I didn't have to be a Christian up the front, but I just needed to do no harm. So the first thing was not be destructive. Uh, probably sending bikies around was destructive. <laughs> So I made that choice not to do that. It's like, okay, what am I going to regret later on? Like, yeah. I, can, I can be a bit bad here. I can be a bit angry. I've got permission to hurt right now. Um, and I don't need to be perfect, but I just, I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to be destructive. So I'd recently given up drinking. I was an alcoholic, went to AA, um, sinking too much alcohol and gave up alcohol. This was a number of years prior. So in my mind, my dad's just done this. I've now got permission to drink again. Like if there's ever a time where I can pick up um, a, a bottle of alcohol, now's that time. And I thought, no, that's destructive. It's going to be a step back. And, and I, I said no to that. So I think that that was really good. So that was goal one. Goal two was to be good, uh, to see the light in this, find the good in it, find meaning in this, this suffering. What can I bring out of it? Um, you know, and that's, I was a father. I, I had my own kids. Um, okay, what am I going to do to better prepare them? What am I going to do to not let them down as much, you know? Um, so, yeah, what can I learn from this? What can I do? So I found meaning in that. I, I went back to uni. Um, I spent a year doing nothing, by the way. I sold my business, got a bit of money and did absolutely nothing for one year. And I don't recommend that because I was kind of kicking, kicking myself, feeling a bit sorry for myself. But I picked myself up, went back to uni, um, got, a, got a job and kind of, I'm in a much better position now than what I was prior. Um, so it's, yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm thankful that I went through that in a way. Like sometimes it doesn't seem right to say, oh, I'm so glad I went through all that suffering because someone really suffered, I suffered a bit as well, but 
it helped me, it developed me. I wouldn't be the person I am now unless I went through all of that. Wow. Thanks for sharing, Tim. Honestly, that's the... I love the way that you, you brought out your own humanity and we're all, we're all human. I don't think any of us would be able to guess how we would respond in that situation. Um, and I think it would be very quick to hear what you had to say and make a quick judgment going, oh, what, why, is this, why is this? I honestly don't know how I would respond in that sort of situation. And the fact that you chose to do no harm, the fact that you chose to focus on what was good and to see you even become the dad that you want to be. I don't know if you've ever seen Tim in action with his own children. Oh my goodness. Like, if you've ever want to look at a role model of a dad who's engaged, who wants to see the best out of his kids, who actually is um, deliberate, this guy's the guy to look at. Um, and I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really honoured to, to just sit under and hear that. So that's amazing. Thanks so much, Tim. So good. Um, what I love about what he just said was he was honest. Yeah. You know, so he said... You know, it's probably not Christian, but these are the emotions I had. Yeah. You know, that's what, you know, oftentimes we, we hide that, the honesty, and yep. I think the honesty is the first step. 100%. I mean, there was a couple of well-meaning people close to me, and, you know, within a few days of me going through this, they come to you, well, it's important to forgive. <laughs> um, it's important for you to get to that position of forgiveness. Yeah, it is, like, duh, but right now, I'm not there. <laughs> Donna, can you share some of your own toughest experience? I know you've, you've got a big journey and had a, you know, there's a lot in your own story, some similarities even, but yeah, can you speak into your toughest suffering moment and, and some things you learnt out of that for us? Yeah, so many of you do know my story that yeah, whilst all my family life was rolling along wonderfully <laughs> behind the scenes, <clears throat> sorry, um, I, I was suffering sexual abuse probably from the age of about, I've tried to put ages on it, but God thankfully doesn't get, had, or didn't give me the detail chip in my head. <laughs> so it's probably from, you know, about four to ten years old, from about three different um, extended family members. So not my, my close family unit, not my mum or dad, but... Um, you know, extended family members. So it's not happening all the time, but it's randomly over those those years. Um, so yeah, that that you know, def well, you go through something like that when you're um, young. We we know a lot more about those sort of things now. But can you see how the love of my family and how much I loved my family worked for and against me in one way? One way because I didn't want to ruin that family. And whether you, you know, it's, you know, a lot of people say, well, why didn't you speak up? Well, certainly it certainly wasn't um, like it is now where we're normalising these conversations and that is so good. And we're talking about things like sexual integrity in a church setting, and we need to do that more. We're normalising those concepts. That wasn't normal back in my day. And um, whether you... No one has said this to you, but you do carry a burden as a child that you will redefine what your family is or what it is. And if it's what something you love and something, you know, um, it, it is quite a big burden to carry. So for me, that became a, hit, uh, a secret you know, and the, um, it stopped when I was 11 when I became a Christian. 
So, you know, I give God all the glory for that because when I became a Christian, I had an, an amazing encounter. So if there's anyone in the room who's 10 or around 10, you know, you can connect with God at a very young age. If you are hungry, I, I cried out desperately for God and to show me if he was real. And when I was um, 10 or 11, I had an encounter with him at the front of a church building while everyone else was there. Um, I, I walked out the front to receive him as my own personal saviour. And I can only tell you that in that moment, so many things happened. Um, I, I, I connected with his love, which was unconditional. I knew that he could see everything um, that had happened in my life, and yet his love for me was so strong and remained there. But it also gave me incredible courage and strength. So from that moment... Um, for me, it never. Uh, it, the courage gave me to remove myself from those situations where that was that was happening, and it never happened to me again from that moment on. But I, I never really talked about it with anybody till I was 26. <laughs> so, yeah. And so uh, that's a long time to carry. Yeah. To carry that that burden, mm. I suppose. Um, how did that prepare you for? future suffering oh, and even yeah. like in your own relationship with God if you want to speak mm -hmm. into that I mean mm -hmm. you know we, we, I think we talked last week about that question why do good things yeah. happen to, um, sorry why do bad things happen to good people yes yeah. um, and I mean that must have been part of your journey trying to figure all of that out as a young teenager when you've got so much formation happening in our identities mm -hmm. and then how we're relating to people how particularly for women how you start relating to men yes. in that situation like how did how did that play out yes so um there's lots of stories. But uh, the good thing for me, people have asked me, did you blame God for what happened to you? And I never did. I never, ever felt that. What I felt in that moment of being encountering God was so opposite to anything I had felt. In, when the abuse was happening, I could easily def, um, determine good and evil. Um, and God was good and he was, he was love to me and he gave me courage and strength and, and joy to do my teenage years. And yes, I, well, it looked like, yeah, I, I was bottling it up, but I was processing it with him. I'm a thinker and I, I read my Bible. Um, I, I was told on the night I got saved to, you know, to read my Bible and memorise Romans chapter 12, Roz, and I did that and I started, I was a Christian, so I started reading my Bible, and so I did a lot of, um, you know, working things out with just me and God. So I wasn't in denial, but I was doing it internally. Wow. We're going to come back to the, the verse in Romans in a moment, Donna. I just wanted to hear from Tim just um, kind of flowing off the back of that. Um, when you're in that season, and Donna talked about how um, she, she had that, uh, there was, wasn't that blame on God during that season. She was able to journey through that. What are some of the things, Tim, that you could speak into about the things not to do? So I can only control me. I can only control the things that are within reach. So if I pass the block the buck and say, oh, it's this person's fault or this situation's fault or society's done this, I can't change that. I can only do what I can do. So um, I, I looked for meaning, as I said, and I got that from Viktor Frankl. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's that old Austrian dude. Um, he was in Auschwitz. 
his mum and dad got killed, his pregnant wife got killed, uh, and he came out and he's just this amazing clinical psychologist or something, I think. Um, it's talking about finding meaning in your suffering and your, and your trauma. So that was a book I read kind of early on prior to this all happening, which is a little serendipitous. Um, but just to, to, find, to find that one thing to, to look for, that, um, you know, you've got this abyss, um, but the, the deeper, the darker the abyss, the, the brighter that little ray of hope is going to shine. Um, so just to, to know that, to know that it's not all dark clouds, you don't have no option. Um, as soon as you think there's no other way out, uh, that's when you're most likely going to take your life or, or do something really stupid. So um, hang on to that light, that, that little glimmer of hope and, uh, and run toward that. Wow, it's awesome, Tim. Awesome. So, Dons, it says in Romans 8, 28, God uses, all things together, God uses all things together for good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. What does that scripture mean? Now, Donna is our, um, is our college principal at the moment, so um, she, if anyone can talk into that, it's going to be you, Dons, um, and through your own personal experience, but also just through the context of that yeah, scripture. Yeah, yes. So just quickly, the verse starts with an and. So it says, and we know. And we know that all things work together for the good. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So it's not saying all things just generally work together for good. It's, not, it's actually saying that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So he's the defining factor. And, and so when, starting with an end means that it's connected, it's connected to what he's been saying previously and um, it's connected to the greater theme of assurance of your faith that's there. Uh, ten verses earlier, Paul says this, um, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. So then he's saying, but we live in a degenerating world. We live in a, in a world where even creation you know, is stuck. And we all know that. Science is telling us that now. It's backing up what the Bible says. And, and then he said, we're in this awkward in-between. It says we don't even know what to pray sometimes, we, you know, when we pray for things. Like Ros this morning was praying for Ukraine, you know, and sometimes we don't even really know how we can pray into things like that. But at the same time, knowing that overall, the overarching thing is that God is in control. He's sovereign and yet these things happen. So he goes through the, and so this is just building on what he said. He said, he says, interestingly, we don't know what we're going to pray, but in this verse he says, and we know. So we do, this is something we do know that all things work together for the good for those who love God and called according to his purpose, because it's talking about the end, you know, and if it's dependent upon him, then he's not causing it, but everything, once you give your life to him, he, I, I've seen it over and over and over again, that he's able to use all things together for good. But I trust him that sometimes I may not even see the good straight. You certainly don't see the good straight away. Um, maybe when you're a bit maturer. I didn't have mature reactions like that when I was working through all my crap. Um, I... I, I had a very, I, I had no 
um, concept of emotions <laughs> because they'd been stuffed down or emotional language. So it was a very hard process for me to come into healing. But I can, I'm here to say, yes, this, this, this verse is true. It's here to say that, yes, while we live in this awkward in-between, the end game is to be with God and everything will be. That's the, that's the end game. But in this awkward in-between, the yet but not yet that we have as Christians, while we still live in this world that's broken and if we haven't, you know, noticed that, we need to. Um, and, you know, stuff happens to people and terrible things do happen here. But the one thing you can be really assured of, if you give your life to God, he can recreate it. It is, you know, and he can weave everything together for your good. Um, and, yeah... It is absolutely true. And so I can say that if I had never dealt with the effects of what I'd been through, I don't think I'd be married still. <laughs> um, I don't think... Well, I certainly wouldn't be talking to you now, would I, about this. I wouldn't be able to help other girls who have been through what I've been through. And so the very first time I got to actually say it in public... Um, that's a big journey because to do that I had to tell my parents and I didn't want to load blame onto them either um, but I needed to do that so that if I told you guys and you knew them you know it, they, I needed to honour them by telling them that that was a very hard part of the journey but it just means that God can use that now and, you know, there's some... I've been able to talk to young girls who are too young to go to counselling or get help. They're a bit better now um, with that, the systems. But, um, you know, and I've said to them, you know, if ever you need a hug, you just come and stand in my peripheral vision and, um, and then I'll, we'll know, you know, and I'll come over and I'll give you a hug. Now, I'm telling you, that makes my life worthwhile. You know, one of those hugs, I, you know, I, I look back and I say, wow, I get to do this because of that crap that happened to me. And so the enemy doesn't win then. Yeah, you know, really he doesn't good. win really when, you know, you get, you get then to minister out of something that could have taken you out. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, and just on, on that, like the, the first person within the church that I wanted to connect with and seek out, I mean, and I'm not a connector, I don't like other people much. Um, you? <laughs> I do. One-on-one, -on -one, if you want to chat and a coffee, that's fine, but I'm not going to seek you out to talk about emotions. Um, but the first person was Donna, because I knew that she had been through that. Um, so she was able to help me, you know, order it in my mind, you know, okay, what are the things I need to do? Once I was ready to have that conversation, Donna was there and able to do that. And if, if she hadn't have been through what she'd been through, then I wouldn't have had someone there to do that. So. Isn't it great, Church, that even just hearing how you've connected through your suffering, that we aren't alone <laughs> in our suffering. There's always someone that we can reach out to in the church. And I look around the room now and just go, I can see a lot of faces that I would go and talk to because I know that they've been through stuff. Um, they've been through some crap in their life. And the fact that we get to do that together is so powerful. Um, are you enjoying this so far, church? We're about to wrap up, but tell you what, it's so powerful. Um, I'm gonna, it's going to start finishing up. So, Tim, in you talked about um, earlier that one of the things that you kind of felt to do through that process, you were kind of just praying and Holy Spirit was kind of like, you need to join a life group. Um, how was that part of your, your healing 
or part of your process. And then just in one statement, how, we can, how you would sum up how we can suffer well. Because I think there's definitely an aspect that we can suffer poorly, um, but you've done that so well. So can you talk to us about that, Tim? Um, yeah, well, as far as a small group goes, um, yeah, I'm, I wasn't a small group person, as I said. Like, that's just not my thing. I'd, I'd rather read a book at home by myself. Um, but uh, the good thing is within this church is there's a small group for everyone. Um, and from what I've went through, I said to Donna, you know, what kind of small group is there? Uh, I think you might have been leading the small groups at the time. And she's like, well, there's a small group that is filled with a heap of people that are your dad's age that are all really good dads. I'm like, oh, that seems like a really good small group. Like, I need a dad figure at the moment. So I, I met, uh, I think I've like three or four years have been going every second Wednesday for breakfast with all these 60-year-old guys and then me. Um, like, I'm much younger than that. So, um, and it's been wonderful. Like, that is not something I would have done before. Um, but yeah, that really helped. Um, and then what was the second question? Summing up, summing up how to suffer well. Yeah. Um, oh, th- well, there's a lot. Um, but to understand that the pain and the suffering, the, the act is very different to your response. Like, they're two different things. And you've got control of your response. Um, so it's important to separate those two things. Um, later on, I was able to process and, and decompose the, the pain. Um, wow, so good. Donna, same thing. Can you summarise suffering well? Um, suffering well. Well, first of all, I'm going to say how I, got, how I started getting help was I told someone. I let the secret out of the bag. And that was very freeing, you know. Um, so I'm here to say if you've got something that's hidden, you know, um, the best thing you can do is let it out. It may not be a mature letting out, you know, um, but at least just starting with honesty and openness and, um, you know, and God can work with that. He can work with honesty. And I had to get help. I had to get some counselling. I told some first of all, Tom, my husband, he'd been married to me for six years and didn't know. Um, So, yeah, so many things happened. But then I just, as I got prompted by God, I did what what I felt he he wanted me to do. And the first thing was tell people. Second thing was get some counselling. And then I'd go along for ages feeling fantastic. And then he'd just give me a bit of a nudge again. Come on, we're going to go a bit deeper now. We're going to go a bit deeper now. And, and I did Door of Hope. And then I was able to facilitate Door of Hope for other people. You know, and so I can champion that on here in our church as well. And so that every time I did something like that, I got more healing. It, it, was, it was wonderful. It was great. It was a journey through. Um, but I just say start the journey. You know, I can remember when my prayer was, actually, God helped me to go to my netter's 80th and not feel like I want to pick up that knife and stab someone. Wow. That was a true prayer. <laughs> not, not a um, funny one. It sounds funny now, but... That was a true prayer. God, help me. 
to be in that. I want to go there for her. I don't even want to go, but I don't want that person or that abuse to stop me from celebrating my nan. So I wanted to go there. So, but that was all internal dialogue with God. But and I said, like, I don't. I can't do. I could not have done the journey without him. So uh, my mature, responses might be more mature now. But that was a teenager trying to cope. You know, trying to cope with. Um, the emotions and the forgiveness was a journey for me just like it was for for Tim it it was a journey a 10-year journey probably wow amazing amazing church can we give Donna Mm. and Tim a hand for sharing so vulnerably and authentically so amazing Um, we are going to finish up we've got a couple of responses tonight and I really I've asked um, Donna and Tim to both pray over you for um, two specific things. Um, and so the, the first thing um, that I'm going to get Donna to pray for is just over anyone who's struggling with unforgiveness in their season of suffering. Um, I think uh, unforgiveness is one of those things. I love that, that quote, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. Uh, and there's, there's so much truth in that and I think it holds us back. We almost cause our own suffering by holding on to unforgiveness. Um, and Donna's done that journey so well. So I would like Donna to pray over those people. I'll get you to raise your hand in a moment. And for but Tim, I really wanted Tim just to pray over people who are going through that journey of suffering um, and would just like some wisdom, would just like some peace, would just love someone to kind of re- receive a prayer from someone that has done the journey well um, and just to really pray a, um, a real sense of it's okay, you can get through this, that you want to suffer well. So with every eye closed, um, if you are in that season of suffering or that season of unforgiveness, I'd love for you just to raise your hand so that we know who we're praying for. So good. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Donna. Yeah, one of the um, revelations I had was I was finding it hard to forgive, but I knew God really wanted me to. And I just prayed a prayer. Like the man in the Bible who says, I do believe God, but help me with my unbelief. So it was... Lord, I do want to forgive, but I need you to help me to do that. Help me with my unforgiveness. And um, it broke something. It showed a willingness to go on a journey, and God was able to then begin to soften my heart towards what I believe was a total and full um, forgiveness that came around um, to love and compassion. And that's the, that's the circle. So, Father, I just pray for anyone in the room here who's been hurt, who's been hurt and wounded, Lord God, and something, someone has hurt them. And, um, Lord, first of all, we just want to validate their pain. And, and you know that you were there and you saw that too, and you can do that for them. And, Lord, I just pray that as they realise the restrictive nature forgive unforgiveness Lord God and have a revelation of how that can hold them back in their life and that really you want freedom for them that you will give them the courage to ask that prayer for you to help them with their unforgiveness Lord God that you will give them the courage tonight to really go there and and do the process the journey of forgiveness Lord God Amen. Thanks, Tim. Father, I thank you that you allow uh, allow us to suffer. Thank you that 
you aren't a helicopter parent who tries to coddle us and, and make us safe all the time. So I thank you that we can really hurt sometimes because with your help, with, with you there beside us, we can come out much stronger. And I just pray for, for anyone here that is struggling, that is suffering and hurting. I pray firstly that they'll know that there are people here in this church, there are friends that are there for them, are happy to be there with them, to hear them. And I pray that through their suffering, they will find meaning. They'll have something to pursue so they can come out stronger. Amen. 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 Just one final response. I just want to read for you a quick verse out of uh, out of John. It says this: "I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world." Um, and for some of us in the room, um, maybe you've never started that relationship with Jesus, or you've never accepted God into your heart. Um, he has good things for us. He loves his kids. You can go through suffering and have that peace that goes beyond anything that we could hope or imagine or understand. And so with every eye bowed again, if you are at that moment tonight where you want to say, yes, I want to start that relationship with Jesus. I, I don't want to suffer alone. I, I want to be on that journey of becoming like Jesus tonight. I'd love for you to just raise your hand so I could pray with you and love some pastors to um, meet you after the service and give you a Bible and get you started on that journey. So that's you. I would love for you to just raise your hand and I'll pray. Thank you, God. Awesome. God, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you are always with us. Father, we thank you that even in our suffering, we can have peace. But God, even through our suffering, we know that it's going to produce hope. And Father, I pray hope over all of us tonight in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give Tim and Donna one more round of applause? Thank you so much, guys. I'm going to hand back to Brookie. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.